This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the Getsy Health Podcast. Hello, everyone. Check out oh, my voice. Oh, my gosh. This is the best. Like, your voice sounds so much better on the mic. Holy cow. Yeah. So, since Welcome it's back. not loud in here and yeah. I can just talk you without projecting project. uh-huh. it sounds almost normal and we turned your mic way up just just a little bit sexier than you, usual you sound really Welcome great America. <laughs> well um i'm sure everyone's really excited to hear that you're doing super good i will i am i mean am i <laughs> i'm doing my voice is definitely doing better yeah it's i've been, had a rough couple of weeks though it's been intense we're going to talk about that today okay so we wanted to do this episode as like a part two to Tristan, the truth about Tristan. Did you name it that because like the truth about cancer, you know, the yeah. truth, <laughs> I, I thought you did. That one was for you alone but because no one else in the world would get I, that. <laughs> I bet. Well, now they get it. Now they get um, it. Maybe so, if they've ever heard of that. Well, we wanted to do a follow up because that episode released, like we said on the episode, we hadn't even told family. Yeah. Um, and your mom, she was like, thanks for warning me that you're going to do this episode. Like my phone's been blowing up. Yeah. And so um, she got inundated with messages from people saying, why didn't you tell me? Right. So, like, well, cause it wasn't my business. Right. Right. So we're doing a follow up part two, just because we want to really respond to the outpour of love and support and the positive vibes that you guys have been sending us. We we really appreciate you. Yes. We appreciate it. We've had a lot of questions that we would like to answer. Right. Um, so if you haven't listened to The Truth About Tristan, go ahead and listen to it. Well, this this episode could still be helpful, even if you haven't, like, we can give you a quick oh, recap. Yeah. Totally. Like my cancer's back, right? We I was originally diagnosed in 2016, went through Stage treatments. Stage four, things, colon cancer. Things look good two years in, and then we stopped testing. And this year, 2020, things got really bad. Mm-hmm. So we found out it was back, and yeah. and we announced it a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. So. We, we kind of suffered in silence just because that's what we, we were very conscious about that just because... We don't, we didn't want to manage people's anxiety. Yeah, you can, it. you can listen to the episode yeah. for, for that. Cause we did talk about that already. Exactly. So we dove pretty deeply into the trauma yep. around cancer diagnoses and, um, and, uh, people's experiences around that. And I don't know about you, but I've been getting a lot of messages of people saying my sister had the exact tr- same trauma. I have experienced that trauma. Yeah. And a lot of people in the cancer realm, they really resonated with this episode because it, it's something that we don't talk about a lot. No, the, it's, the it's really not. We talk about the physical battle that people mm-hmm. go through and we celebrate the ones who survive. And mm-hmm. survive is a very apt word in a lot of cases because you stay alive, but it's not really living mm-hmm. right especially when you are so traumatized by right. it right so you end up um just just breathing and that's about it right but mentally you're you're not winning right, right. exactly what is the what is the kind of response that you've so i mean honestly like my biggest concern in going public with this was being inundated with fear mm-hmm. right having everybody send worry my direction and um and create an environment of of anxiety and fear right uh honestly like that hasn't been the case at all right um i think we tried to be very clear that we didn't want that and Mm -hmm. that we did want you know positive vibes and prayers and encouragement and all that and so that's that's what i've received um i've had a ton of people reach out to me with just encouragement and praise and um, and you know, reasons to hope, reasons to live. It's all, mm-hmm. it's really, really beautiful stuff. Right. Well, and the beauty about what we're doing, you guys, if a lot of people have been asking, and I actually put a, a thing out on Instagram, what questions do you guys have? And people are asking, what are our next steps? Like, are we going in for, are we <laughs> like, I have the cancer. Um, are yeah. you going in for scans? Are you going to talk to an oncologist? Do you want to answer that? Or do you want me to, um, the short answer is no and no. Mm-hmm. Um, the logic behind this is um, that they don't have anything to offer me. No. And if I have nothing to gain, then I'm not interested in putting myself into a situation where I am um, surrounded by fear. Right. So we've talked about this before, but 
the stories we tell ourselves are so powerful are they they are what creates our experience Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what is the reality of what's around you the story you tell yourself about the reality is what affects your experience 100 percent. so if i'm going to put myself in a hospital environment and expose myself to radiation in any form and interact with people who see cancer patients die every day I better have a really, really good reason to do that because that's very emotionally taxing for me. My personal narrative is not strong enough to override that larger societal narrative about what cancer is Mm -hmm. and means, right? That's something I'm working on. But uh, until the day that I either overcome that or uh, there's a strong enough reason for me to do a scan and interact with an oncologist, Right. I'm not going to do it. There's no need. Like like Tristan said, we're creating our own narrative yeah. around this. And, you know, I don't think we realize the influence, the mental and emotional influence that people in white coats have over us. Right. We subconsciously give them so much power without even recognizing it. We think about it this way. You literally schedule an appointment with any doctor. Right. Don't know jack shit about them right you go into an appointment with them and they tell you what to do with your body they've met you for 30 seconds they've looked at some blood work and now they've just turned into the expert over your body they they tell you what they're going to do to your body right because let's be clear if you ask what can i do Mm -hmm. they're going to say nothing just make sure you get enough calories but but what we have literally done is we have given up our agency around our own healing and we've given it 100 percent to them right. and again we, we as a society right not as us a society individually yeah like this is just subconscious programming that we've all been exposed to where we rely so heavily on doctors mm-hmm. without recognizing that we have done that without yeah. recognizing that we gave up our own free agency over our own healing process and this is problematic because you have to think about the environment that a an oncologist is operating in. Right. It's not that there's anything flawed about their way of looking at the world. It's that they are constantly surrounded mm-hmm. by sick people that are not making it right? right. Because the average person, by the time they are dealing with cancer and in the oncology ward, they're very, very, very unwell. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of them are older. They're, you know, 70, 80 older mm-hmm. and, and the odds are just not good. So when an oncologist sees me, they see a statistic, right? They see, well, there's a, you know, 2% chance that this person survives five years or more. And then that's, that's the story that they tell themselves. Yeah. And that leaks out into their interactions with us. 100%. And, and again, I'm not interested in that. Plus, important to keep in mind, all those people out there going, you're absolutely insane. I can't believe you're not working with an oncologist. They already told me they couldn't do anything else for me. Right. Exactly. They they already said they have nothing else to offer except for a very minimal extension of my life, but I'll be really sick from chemo. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, thank you for that story. We're just going to create our own. And yes. we're going to believe in a different system and a different methodology. Right. And like, you know, one of my sayings, I say this all the time, where thoughts go, energy flows. You know, and a new one that I'm really loving that I was reminded of from Conversations with God is... Which is a, a book. Which is a book, you guys. It's fantastic. Like, it's, it's up there with like biology of belief. If you haven't read biology, of belief and conversations with God way better than like what did I say you said with I think it's way better it is it is it's fantastic and um and it, it talks about this concept of every decision is either based in love or fear like fear is the opposite of love and I want to read that to you guys because you know when people ask what went wrong and I don't want to say anything went wrong because everything has happened perfectly. All is in divine order. All is in divine order. But what, and I put in air quotes, went wrong is we reacted from fear. For the past two years, we ran away from the cancer world. We did. Like we saw, hey, clean scan. We're done. Peace out. And then like, we're not going to get into it. But, you know, we were working with all these cancer friends and patients, clients, and then double shut down our chambers and then hyperbaric chambers. Our, our hyperbaric chambers. And then a lot of friends started and I'm not saying they died because they weren't getting treatments. I'm not saying hyperbaric chamber cures people at all. I'm not saying that, but it just happened to be at the same time. And um, that was very triggering. It was very heartbreaking. And, and then Tristan started getting these symptoms. And so it was just 
fear, stress, fear, stress, fear, fear, fear. And so we were like, you know what, we're done. Like we can't even do cancer consults anymore because we're so heartbroken and we're so triggered. And so we ran, we literally ran away from the cancer world. We're like, you know what, there's no space here for us. There's none. So we ran, we're like, fine, we're done. And it's interesting because it's, it's almost like we were brought back into this cancer world. And it's like, no, 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 you're going to have to face this. Mm-hmm. You can't turn a blind eye because, and again, every, all decisions are based in love and fear. I want to read this quote really fast. Um, every action taken by human beings is based in love or fear. Decisions affecting business, industry, politics, religion, the education of your young, the social agenda of your nations, the economic goals of your society, choices involving war, peace, attack, defense, aggression, submission, determinations to covet or give away, to save or to share, to unite or to divide. Every single free choice you have ever undertaken arises out of one of the only two possible thoughts there is a thought of love or a thought of fear. Fear is the energy which contracts, closes down, draws in, runs, hides, hoards, harms. Love is the energy which expands, opens up, sends out, stays, reveals, shares, heals. Fear wraps our bodies in clothing. Love allows us to stand naked. Fear cling. You guys, you don't have to walk around naked. <laughs> I'm naked right now. <laughs> he's, he's not naked right now. It's all about love. Guys. <laughs> it's all about Take body love pants. and acceptance. Take off oh your pants. Oh my gosh. Stop. Stop it. He's joking, you guys. I am joking. I'm fully where, clothed. Where was I? Fear wraps our bodies in clothes. Love allows us to stand naked. Fear clings to and clutches all that we have. Love gives all that we have away. Fear holds close. Love holds dear. Fear grasps. Love lets go. Fear rankles. Love soothes. Fear attacks. Love amends. Every human thought, word, or deed is based in one emotion or the other. You have no choice about this because there's nothing else from which to choose, but you have free choice about which of these to select. And basically we were living in fear contracting and you know like that which you resist persists and it persisted it brought us back well and then why does it persist it persists because there is a lesson and a a opportunity for growth that Mm -hmm. has not been Mm -hmm. embraced yet yeah right there was a very very clear lesson for me in contracting cancer in the first place Mm -hmm. that i did not fully take into myself and so of course i am getting another opportunity now yeah. Right. No, no joke. And to be honest, like a lot of people have, you know, some of the questions that you guys asked is how do we show up every day and we smile and we seem like we're doing so great. So do we want to talk about that? Well, we don't always. <laughs> no, that's true. We, we have good days and bad days. Yep. Like just like everyone. Right. Like, you know, some days are harder than others, but right. and we, we try to be a little bit more transparent about that. Right. We don't. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily hide the bad days or or keep our less than optimistic thoughts to ourselves, but but we don't necessarily show all of the bad. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't think people could understand it unless, well, you know, but and that's OK, because we're all learning different lessons at different times. And it's not really helpful for people to, you know, mm-hmm. see a video of me laying down, holding my head because I'm in so much discomfort right mm-hmm, right <laughs> I, I don't think that that really benefits anybody right but it happens it does we have been working through our trauma though like yes, i will like we stopped running from it we've been yes. doing a lot of uh therapy mm-hmm. um different types of therapy to work through our trauma yeah. a lot of people asked what should we talk about the the kelly enzyme protocol or yeah, I like don't want to go into too much detail about mm-hmm. it though because i it would be better if we actually didn't interview Okay. And and yeah. dove into that. But the basic idea with this, there are, I think we talked about this actually. Mm-hmm. There's enzymes that they go after certain types of cells in your body. Yeah. And if you take them in high enough doses, the theory is that it essentially liquefies cancer. Yeah. There's obviously, there's a lot more to it, right? There's some, a really uh, hefty nutritional component in terms mm-hmm. of both the food and the supplements you take. There's coffee enemas uh, two to three times a day. Yeah. There's sauna daily, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of stuff to it. Which I'm going to say, I'm super impressed by coffee enemas. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like <laughs> when, yeah. when everyone, every time someone says, I have this symptom, I'm like, coffee enema. <laughs> I have this symptom. I'm like, coffee enema. <laughs> right. So, and for a long time, I was fairly skeptical about them. 
Um, my personal view is that, well, of course, they make people feel good. You're absorbing coffee in your colon, no, right? it's way more than Which that. Which I'm sure there is some aspect of that, but I can tell you from my own experience that as I've been doing this really intensive protocol, if I don't do the coffee enemas, I have a really bad day. Yeah. Like my body is just gets very, very unhappy with me. Right. Well, and it's because you're detoxing so fast. So that's the theory. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people have been asking like, how are you feeling? And before the enzyme therapy, you were doing pretty good, you know, a little tired, but now since my breathing was not great. Right. My heart rate was not great. There was stuff for sure. There was stuff for sure. But since doing this protocol, you have been a little bit more run down. Oh, yeah. And if you're not detoxing, if we're not keeping those detox pathways open, you you get a headache. Mm -hmm. But I would say overall, like, you know, we've got a really good thing down. Oh, yeah. And it's just trying to get everything in in one day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a lot. But some of the other questions were, what is the best or worst thing you can say or do for a friend that is battling cancer. I'd like to go into that a little bit because we all listening here know someone who is struggling. One out of two people in their lifetime will contract cancer, cancer mm-hmm. which means that 50% of us. it would be a very, very rare incident where a person does not know somebody who mm-hmm. has had cancer yeah. or experienced it themselves. So what should someone say or do? Uh, you want me to answer? I, I'll answer after So, you. I mean, I think we have the same answer, though, what which is, is like you figure out what they need and you do it. You don't yeah. ask them what you yeah. can do. Definitely do not ask them don't what ask you can do. Them. Yeah. What you Just can do, do, if you don't know what to do, what you can do is say, I am here to help and I mm-hmm. am ready as soon as something comes up that you think I can help. Yeah. It's not as good as just finding something to do and doing it for them. But it's still really great, especially if, you know, they are the kind of people that are willing to reach Mm -hmm. out when they need it. Yeah. Which is a lesson for all cancer patients, by the way. Right. You know, I would say, let's start from simple things. Sending a text, just saying love, holding healing space for you every day, you know. And, you know, I can't speak for every person going through cancer, but I can tell you for myself, I really, really love hearing that people have been praying for me, meditating on my behalf, mm-hmm. sending positive vibes, um, all of that stuff that just makes me so freaking happy. I do. Like, I truly believe in a collective energy. Yeah. You know, when we band together under one purpose, we can accomplish a lot and yeah. manifest a lot. And then personally, it's an honor that someone would yeah. put energy in my direction, even yes. if it doesn't actually do a thing for me. Yes. And you've been getting a lot of messages actually through Instagram where people have been sending you love. So, um, but some other things I would say is I've been thinking about this a lot. What can people do when our first time round, you know, Tennyson was three. I was pregnant with Satori. I had a friend, Emily Aldridge, and she would just send Tennyson sticker books and workbooks like through Amazon. She would like almost every other week just send something and would keep him busy and happy. And I don't want to use the word distracted because, you know, but it would just keep him busy and he would love it. It was something that he just felt so special. And so he was taken care of. Right. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes as a as a care partner, you know, we are just so depleted. We're emotionally depleted, mentally depleted, right. physically depleted. And so having that bump for Tennyson was a bump for me. You and, know? and remember the default for most parents, even when they're not going through something as stressful as cancer is technology. Mm-hmm. And we've always been very conscious of that. And we, yeah. we really didn't want to just put them in front of a TV all day long or give them yeah. a phone all day long. Mm-hmm. So having that alternative option. Right that would engage his mind without us having to worry about the repercussions Mm -hmm. of being in front of technology all day. It was just such a wonderful gift. If your loved one that is struggling with cancer has children, just say, Hey, my kids are going to kangaroo zoo or coconut cove. Um, I'd like to pick up your kids and take them with us. Yes. You know, or, you know, just no. there was not a question. There was no question. It's just say, I'm going to do this. Unless you tell me no. Yes. You know, and so because because a lot of people in the beginning just feel like they're such a burden yeah. on people. It's the saddest thing, but that's, I think a lot of people feel that. And some people never really get past that. Right. And so you kind of just have to forcefully show up mm-hmm. and be like, I'm here and I'm reliable and I'm holding space and I'm going to do this for you. Um, some other things I've been thinking about that you could do for your friends. If they have GoFundMes, please donate to them. 
because this is a very, very expensive and heart-wrenching road for them. Especially if they're not going the fully traditional route. Right. Sometimes if you have decent insurance, they'll cover most of the chemo and radiation, mm -hmm. which can add up to millions of dollars in some cases. Yeah. But if you want to do anything outside of the mainstream, it's out of pocket. Everything's out of pocket and it just adds up so fast. Other things you can do is literally take them food. Just say, hey, I'm making this recipe tonight. Um, Can I bring it by for you? Or do you have a different recipe for me that you I definitely can though check in with their dietary yeah. requirements because mm-hmm. once again the doctors are not going to give you any but yeah a lot of people do try to you know they go the vegan route or the yeah. keto route and and mm-hmm. honoring that with the food you give them yeah. is also a really great gift. Other things like this is getting a little bit like gets hire some cleaners and send the cleaners over to their house. Mm. They're exhausted. They're tired. They want to feel human yeah. and they feel so dehumanized yeah. because, and, and I'm not saying for everyone, but sometimes like I, I remember pregnant, then I had a newborn and a kid and all I wanted was a clean house. And yet here I was carrying a newborn, cooking breakfast every morning, taking care of Tennyson. And I remember just being, I remember thinking, I just wish someone else could do these dishes I just wish someone else could clean this house. I just wish, you know, like you, you still want to feel human amongst all the chaos. Um, hire them a babysitter. Like we said, take their kids or, you know, send someone over two hours a week to just do whatever they need. Pick up toys, pick up this, clean the house, cook up like dice of vegetables. You know, th- those are some really great ways. Yeah, if you have the means to if do you have the means them, to. exactly, an incredible thing to do. And, uh, you know, on that note, when you are thinking about how to help them, mm-hmm. please, please keep in mind their caretaker. Yeah. Because most people with cancer do have a caretaker. A lot of times it's a partner or spouse, but sometimes it's a parent or a, a child or mm-hmm. sibling, something like that. Those people need the support every bit as much as the person with cancer. Yeah. So, so those are some things. Um, what are some things to not say? So once again, just a personal perspective, um, I do not deal well with people shooting worry and anxiety my way. Yeah. I don't want to hear how afraid people are for me. I don't want to hear how sad people are for me. That's not, it just doesn't benefit me. Yeah. Right. I've already gone through all those emotions and um, they've, they've served their purpose. Right. So trying to stay away from any language that reinforces the narrative of cancer as a death sentence. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, it's a lot easier to speak in terms of some things to say yeah. and, and be very careful about this. But the way that I see cancer is as one of the greatest opportunities of a lifetime mm-hmm. to live differently and to um, become something greater. Right. Yeah. It's an invitation yeah. and helping people to feel that can be really beneficial, right. but not at the cost of um, minimizing their suffering. So yeah, it right. can be a tricky one. Again, there's a book called The Untethered Soul, and I think it's one of the last chapters where it talks about how we have been approaching death wrong mm-hmm. in our society and how we are afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And um, we never look at it until we're forced to. And even when we're forced to, it's against our will, yes. you know? And so again, fear contracts what we resist persists kind of thing. And the, the irony is we're all going to die. Like all of us. Yeah, and we yet don't, we don't know when we don't know when, but like it's going to happen to every single thing that is on this planet. It almost seems really weird to, we were talking about this last night. It seems so weird to think that, you know, cancer is, I mean, even as a culture, cancer is terrifying and it can feel dark and isolating. And there's so much fear. The narrative around cancer is just driven by fear and anxiety. And no one, hardly anyone is like, if you hear the C word from a test or something, your brain goes to worst case scenario. Even in consults, you know, when I'm looking at BCAs and stuff, people will just randomly say to me, you don't see any signs of cancer, do you? Like people yeah. that are perfectly healthy, you know, and, and that's that's something that weighs on all of us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what we were saying last night was, and I hope I can portray this in a very sensitive and loving way, but what cancer has done for us is it forced us to 
face our biggest demon, which was death and embrace it and actually feel comfortable with it. You know, like you said, and, and I hope she doesn't mind us saying this, but one of my friends, Jessica White, our friend, Jessica White, her husband passed a year ago and she's been sharing some of her experiences with Tristan of how much beauty there has been because it's almost like she has her foot in both worlds you know, the afterlife in this life. And it's been this really beautiful experience of her, you know, being able to transcend with her loved one, but still be living here. And cancer has kind of been the gift for us where we have been able to transcend our spirituality and recognize the gift that it has been. And that's really weird to say out loud, but it has been a gift. And it's something that we are finally grateful for and fully embrace and love every part of it and see its beauty in all of these experiences if there's a movie you want to watch watch the movie called collateral beauty if you want to if you can handle it it's beautiful you guys collateral beauty will just have you ugly crying yes for all the right reasons (laughs) and it's one of those that just like hits you hard there has been so much collateral beauty in this and you know, like the inverse to the cancer culture that has been so deep and dark and fearful has what I feel like been what we are finally starting to appreciate. It's like the yin to the yang, you know, and the bigger the yin, the bigger the yang. Uh, So I, I guess what I can say is that I'm, it's, it's hard, but it's also beautiful. And, and I would, I would offer up this scenario you know, if you have two parents and one of them dies suddenly from a heart attack, the other one gets a cancer diagnosis and is told they have a year to live, which, which scenario is more tragic there? Yeah. You know, oh my gosh, like I ran into a friend at the store yesterday and, you know, I, again, death isn't that triggering to me anymore. And she just told me her father was diagnosed with cancer and has about a year to live. And there was a part of me that was like, that's sad, but beautiful because you now have a year to say goodbye and to wrap up everything and have it be the most beautiful year and it's going to be hard and it's going to be incredible if you let it and and it's healing even if you don't survive if that makes any sense exactly if you if you take the invitation which Mm -hmm. means that if it is your time to pass you get to do so with mm-hmm. peace and with the knowledge that you kind of tied up all of your loose ends. Right. And a lot of people don't get that. They go suddenly, heart attack, car accident, you name it. Right. And everyone is left behind to figure out closure on their own. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yes, we've been given a gift. That's that's how it is. For cancer people listening or people that are listening on behalf of their cancer loved ones, what are some of the emotional therapies that you think people can do? There's EMDR, EMDR. So search out an EMDR practitioner. Um, EMDR is particularly beneficial for dealing with traumatic events. Mm-hmm. Um, and cancer is full of them. Tons. Trust me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so if, if you've been through trauma, especially if it's a re-traumatization from other events from your past or childhood mm-hmm. or whatever, EMDR is going to be extremely powerful at processing that very effectively and gently. Yeah. Because there are other trauma therapies out there. They are not gentle. They're brutal. The new Provo House, when we move, we're going to be incorporating Sangha. So S-A-N-G-A, Sangha therapy. It also helps with trauma Mm -hmm. releasing and processing and emotional healing. But to all my cancer friends out there, sometimes the biggest battle with this world is the emotional. And so I usually, usually. Mm -hmm. And when we say emotional, we mean psychological, spiritual, all of that stuff that happens, not just in the body. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Um, And we kind of touched on this in the last podcast that we did together, but when Tristan declined the most in his health was when he was the most stressed and the most traumatized. And it was literally two months it was august september where things just rapidly just fell to pieces because he was falling to pieces from the stress so much so that his hair was falling out and it was it was brutal well and it they 
they feed off each other, right? Mm-hmm. You get stressed and your body gets weaker. Yeah. Your body gets weaker and it stresses you more. Mm-hmm. And I, so you spiral very quickly. Very quickly. Like you were even like obsessing about a bruise on your stomach and your toenail and yeah. like it, everything was just a trigger, one big trigger um, until we were able to find a therapy that worked for you. Right. So I would say the emotional aspect is really huge because again, where thoughts go, energy flows, mm-hmm. you know, like that quote, fear contracts, fear withdraws, you know, so finding, and it's so hard to say this, but finding love in the experience, finding, you know, like oftentimes Tristan and I will just thank his body, you know, we like, Mm -hmm. thank you body. Like we love you. Thank you for the lessons. Like, thank you for this gift, you know? And I can't stress enough that the healing that takes place when you're able to use it this way Mm -hmm. is healing that, goes all the way back to the beginning of your life. Yeah. Right. My relationship with my body was not great before Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. It was always very um, combative, right? It was, I'm going to beat my body into submission until it does what I want. Right. And And we're all like that. And it it was full of like self-criticism, right? Like I would look in the mirror and see the 10 things I didn't like about myself. Mm -hmm. Cancer has helped me to change that. To where I now look in the mirror and I see five things I love about my body. Mm-hmm. And that was not an easy thing to do, trust me. Right. It took a lot of work and a lot of false starts. But mm-hmm. but it was important enough to me yeah. to do that. And, mm-hmm. and cancer gave that gift. And it's, it's really interesting. And this relates to everyone, how we most of our lives try to submit and force and domesticate our bodies to be a certain way, look a certain way, do a certain thing. And this is just the philosophies of Janique, the hippie philosophies of Janique. So I'm going to get a little woo-woo for a second. But I had this incredible, when I was meditating the other day, this incredible download where, you know, I I was visualizing my body because I've been trying to do some of my own body healing too, right? Um, as we've been going through this trauma releasing. And, and I got this incredible download that I am actually not my body. I am the soul seated in this body. This body is a gift from the earth, mm-hmm. from the ashes. Like it came from the ashes. It will go into the ashes. What is that that saying? From ash to ash, from, from dust to dust. From dust to dust, right? Yeah. Like this, my body is was co-created through nature. Yes. Like we are all products of nature. But, and But that's that's the co-creation piece. It's nature and our own souls. And our so- own souls. Like, I, Yes. Yes. So this was insane. Two years ago. I'm not even kidding. Our son Tennyson, he was three at the time and he's sitting in the back of the car and he's like, mom, when I was growing in your belly, my soul helped grow my body. And I turned around and I was like, what are you like freaking Buddha back there? Like that is the most beautiful thing. And I got goosebumps all over because part of that rang so true to me, right? That that we are these spiritual beings having these human experiences and our body is the human physical from the earth, from nature. It doesn't belong to us. Like we were gifted this, this is the greatest gift we've ever been given. And what do we do to it? We talk down to it. We hate it. We loathe it. We try to submit it. Like, you know, we try to Mm -hmm. domesticate these bodies, right? Instead of co-creating and co-loving and being appreciative and it's the saddest thing. It's just the saddest thing. Um, I read this quote on the episode with Gina Warfel, and I want to read it again if you guys haven't heard that episode. The quote is, and I said to my body softly, I want to be your friend. It took a long breath and replied, I have been waiting my whole life for this. How many of us have these bodies that have been waiting our entire existence? Yeah to co-create beautiful things, to be friends, to heal, to, to have lives of abundance and well-being. And how many of us feel trapped? And how many of us feel like we're deficient and we're lacking and we are angry or frustrated or we just don't appreciate what we've had. And so we try to heal from a place of anger and frustration and, and resentment, you know, 
And then we have to do all of these things versus coming from a space of, I get to, I get to do these things. Now for all you cynics out there who are hearing this talk about (laughs) souls and and all that and going, rolling your eyes. They're insane. Let's, Let's take this from another perspective. Let's assume there is no soul. There is no spirit, any of that stuff. It's just physical matter that all connected in just the right way. And we got, I guess the fortunate experience of, of the spark of life. Mm -hmm. Is that not magical? So magical. Right. Is not the fact that we have this consciousness, something to be really, really thrilled about something to cherish Yeah, because we have these experiences and you may not like all of them, but you get to experience some things that are really, really awesome. Right. Even if that's just the the taste of chocolate cake. Right. Mm -hmm. And to allow yourself to dwell in that appreciation of all of the good things and to allow yourself to experience a sense of awe at the fact that you, you have this consciousness, this awareness that that is what we're talking about. Right. And that's the science backs us up. This is not just woo stuff. When you live in that state of awe and wonder and appreciation, you're healthier. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. You know, and, and again, going back to fear contracts, love expands, you know, fear is, it tears down, it closes down, love opens up and sends out and reveals and heals. When we befriend our bodies, Mm -hmm. befriend our diseases Mm -hmm. and come from a space of love and gratitude and not a place of fear and resentment, Mm -hmm. your body will co-create with you it will co-create healing it can you know um i think that has been the biggest lesson for me over the past few months as we've been you know helping each other through this whole cancer journey Mm -hmm. as soon as tristan's fear energy shifted to awe and love and you know self-love everything changed everything changed and it was it was literally a miracle it was like holy cow, we've been given a second chance and we are not going to, we're not going to take this lightly. No, and we're we're not going to stay in a place of fear anymore. No. It's not, it doesn't work. It doesn't. (laughs) Right, as long as you stay afraid, you stay in the pain Mm -hmm. because it's there to teach you. Right. And it's going to keep on teaching until you learn. Yep. So a lot of people are probably asking like, so how do we get out of the fear? How do we get out of the pain? It's like a full-time job and and some steps for myself. And you can talk about you. Um, I can't watch TV. I can't do social media. I can't like, I, it's gotta be only accounts that are uplifting. I only listen to uplifting books. I, you know, trying to constantly stay in this state of wonder and awe and listen to things that are really inspiring and really take me to like another level has been super important. Surrounding myself with people who are expanders and not contractors has been super important. And by expanding, I mean love, contracting, you know, fear. What about for you? Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say you can't ever watch TV or yeah. you can't ever be on social media. The The key is being honest with yourself about yeah. how you respond to these things. Yeah. If you find yourself consistently walking away from the TV, feeling yucky. numb yeah. or yucky or whatever, that's a good sign that it's not benefiting you. If you consistently walk away from your group of friends feeling down and hopeless and unhappy, walk away from that. That was one thing I did do right (laughs) was to leave all of the Facebook groups I was in with Mm -hmm. cancer support topics Yeah, because it was consistently a downing experience. And this is, I've had this conversation more than once, if not five plus times with cancer clients and friends where I've literally, I want you guys to give yourselves permission to leave those groups. If they instill fear, you are not betraying the cancer world. You have to, like, you have to take care of you. And so if going on those platforms and reading about their stories is triggering you and re-triggering you, it's not the right space. Right. Go find a different space. So, and let's, let's talk about the middle path for a second, right? A Buddhist concept. There are two extremes that people often follow that are not helpful in this scenario. One of them is to uh, wallow in the suffering and the fear, which is not helpful, right? If you are 
the loudest person in that Facebook group talking about all of your suffering and pain and fear, that's, it's not helping you. Mm-hmm. The other extreme that is also not helpful is to run away from it and to pretend that it's not there. Mm-hmm. That's what I did, right? Also not helpful. It does not heal. Right. The third, the middle way is to find the light in this painful scenario. Yeah. To become that safe place of looking cancer in the eye and still finding joy, finding hope, finding connection. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there. There are there are people out there. They're harder to find. But if you can surround yourself with those people, yeah. you can change everything for yourself. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, at least. Yeah, 100%. Going back to answer that question, though, um, honestly, getting some really good therapy, super, super, super important. Yeah, but therapy that, like you know, punches through the subconscious. Really good therapy. Because so like Johnny mentioned, the EMDR, the Sangha integration, all of that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. But keep an open mind. Yeah. There there are studies out there showing some kind of radical things that make a huge difference. Yeah. One that I'll just throw out there is that they found that um, LSD and psilocybin can be life-changing for mm-hmm. people with terminal cancer diagnoses. Yeah, there's tons of... Uh, universities studying ayahuasca or the active component in ayahuasca. I don't know what it is, but DMT. DMT, I don't know what that means, but they've (laughs) been studying that and they're doing tons of research and how that's literally changing people's lives. It's really fantastic that these industries are considering using these really powerful therapies Mm -hmm. to help people accelerate their trauma healing yeah. because sometimes it can take years to heal trauma. Well, in, in this case, I would say it's not specifically trauma healing they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's perspective shifting, right? Because or it changes neurological rewiring. It, it, it rewires the way your brain views death. Mm-hmm. And for someone with a basically a death sentence mm-hmm. that can change everything. No, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're suddenly going to heal and not die anymore. But it means that death stops being the ultimate foe that you can't escape. Yep. Right. It takes the despair away and gives you hope for whatever comes next. Right. So, so once again, keep an open mind. If you're out there thinking, oh my gosh, drugs, never, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get cancer and they tell you that it's the end for you, you might reconsider that. Maybe. Yeah. So um, like Tristan said, keep an open mind. Yeah. If it calls to you, you know, seek out someone that can help you with that. Right. Um, we, we, as a society, put billions and billions of dollars into research on finding drugs to fight cancer. Mm-hmm. But we do not put the same value and emphasis on finding solutions to, to fight the emotional and psychological trauma of mm-hmm. cancer. If we did we could change this whole we industry dramatically. Game. We could absolutely change the game around cancer mm-hmm. 100% because it's like an emotional disease too. Right. And one last thing about it. If you are willing to infuse your body with toxic poison that kills all of your good cells along with the bad cancer cells, then you really should consider letting yourself have substances that can completely transform your brain cells, your neurons and your Mm -hmm. emotions. Yeah. Right. Which is not to say you should just run out and and find your local drug dealer to get something. Please don't do that. Do it with someone who's very experienced, someone who can guide you, Mm -hmm. but don't rule it out altogether. Yeah. I have a question here. How do you not panic? (laughs) Oh, we do. Uh, We do all the time, but here's, here's the trick. When you have hope, you have, how can I say this? You have skin in the game. You know, and you, you still give yourself permission to rewrite the story and to co-create the story and to, um, really manifest. I I truly do believe that we are all just manifesting stuff into our lives all the time, whether we, whether we, it's conscious or not. Let me put this another way. We are all storytellers uh and the stories we tell create our experience yeah. okay we can call it manifestation some people find that too woo mm-hmm. the fact is that humans were we evolved to tell stories yeah. mm-hmm. and the reason why we panic is because we are telling ourselves a story yeah. that is hopeless yeah and makes yes. us makes us literally despair yep so 
find a way to change the story. Exactly. That's where the therapies come in. That's where the the mind altering Mm -hmm. substances can come in. But the key is finding any wedge you can possibly get your hands on to alter that story a little bit so that it's no longer despair inducing. And you know, where you have hope, you have healing Mm -hmm. a lot of it. Tons and tons. Um, do we panic? Sure. Yes, we do. Um, not as much, not as much anymore. It's been months since I had a full on panic attack. I know. And awesome. And it's, and, and I can truly say this, that we just have weeks where we live in awe Mm -hmm. and gratitude and last um, night we actually had a a really beautiful experience together we had a just a date night with the two of us Mm -hmm. where we sat on the couch for like five hours and we just spoke we just talked about all the beautiful things in our lives Mm -hmm. all the people who we love dearly all the amazing things that we've been able to do and create together and like we spoke about you guys you listeners and how lucky we are to serve you guys in this capacity i mean like what a dream yeah. what a dream you know and we just focus on the good we just continue to focus on the good and we did that little exercise where we just loved on your body and we thanked it and it's like yeah. you know you guys are probably thinking holy cow these people have lost their minds we have, and we absolutely, absolutely have <laughs> t- like sheer terror and fear and trauma pushed us over the edge and forced us to come here. And guess what? We'll never leave (laughs) because why would you ever go back to that? Right. Once again, there's this reality out there for sure that may not match up with your personal experience, but that reality is not more powerful than your personal experience, Mm -hmm. right? I would rather die completely delusional about the world Mm -hmm. around me than die with total truth and knowledge it makes me miserable. Right. Okay. Well, and, and isn't it true that every story is true? Like the world is a terrible place. Yes. You're going to find terrible things. Yeah. The world is a magical place. Yes. You're going to find magical things. Yes. The world is filled with terrible people. You're going to find the terrible people. The right. world is filled with angels. You're going to find the angels. Yes. It, it's all true. Yes. You guys, all the stories are true. So which stories are you going to swim in? Yes. Which ones? Which which pool are you going to soak in? The pool of mm-hmm. love and magic and maybe delusion? Yeah. Or the pool of cynicism and yep. doubt and fear and yep. truth. You know, <laughs> and, and let's let's flip this around. Bodies can't heal themselves. Okay, that's true. You're gonna find the people that repeat that. Yeah. Bodies absolutely can heal themselves and do all the time. Great, you're gonna find people that do that. Yeah. People, you know, there's a book called, uh, what is it? Radical Cancer Remissions. Mm, Radical Remission. Radical Remission, where these people go into these radical remissions. Those stories exist, Mm -hmm. right? So radical remissions happen. So you focus on that. I think the author, she has like 12 or 16 commonalities among all these cases of radical remission. And she puts them all together. But really, you can distill them down to a couple of really key things. One Mm -hmm. of them is your belief, the story you're telling yourself. Yeah. The other is, are you living in accordance with your belief? Meaning if you believe that you need to eat 100% healthy to heal, you better do that. Right. If you think that that's a necessity and you fail to do that, Mm -hmm. you have condemned yourself. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And that goes for everything, right? If you believe that the chemotherapy is going to kill you and make you sick, don't do it. Right. Exactly. But, there's all of these cancer stories and they're all true. People yes. do go into radical remission all the time. Absolutely. People die from cancer all the time. And they you both can, exist. They you can either believe that that was just a total fluke and no mm-hmm. one had any control there, which you can believe if you want. That's going to make you feel powerless. Yeah. Or you can believe that it was because of the magic mm-hmm. in their world, the magic in their story. We've, we've encountered a lot of people in the cancer world who have created their own radical remissions. But what's interesting is you don't see the behind the scenes work. Right. Like miracles take a lot of energy, mental discipline. energy, physical energy, discipline. Like you don't just wait for the miracle to happen. You work your ass off for it. You and like you, every you, day. You allow yourself to get uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable. I've had experiences that were extremely, extremely powerful for me, but only because I was willing to sit in discomfort, mm-hmm. right? And maybe in a future episode, I'll go into some of those. But um, the fact is that you just have to allow yourself to ride that wave of surrender yeah. 
Exactly. In order to see what is being offered to you. Right. When you try to control every step of the way, you're mm-hmm. you're bound to be disappointed, frustrated, and yep. and you're gonna lose. Exactly. There's just so much that you can and I don't want to use the word control because that, that comes from a state of fear, right? Contraction. Well there's there's, there's one thing you can control though. And that that's is your response, your, your personal response, response mm-hmm. to the world around you. Exactly. And does that response come from love or fear? Right. Guys, co create whatever the heck you want. If you're sick, co create healing. Co-create self-love, co-create. We're all co-creators in this game called life. Yes. And and you have more power than you realize. Absolutely. You know, and you're doing it. You are learning about this power by listening to podcasts and educating yourselves and practicing every day. Right. Right. And hopefully you're practicing from a space of love and compassion in your healing journey and not fear right. and just fear. And I would just throw on top there that detaching yourself from outcomes is very important because the the end game here is not survival, right? We have Western medicine to increase our odds of survival. The end game here is full acceptance and surrender and love. Mm -hmm. And when you accomplish that, it actually doesn't matter whether you survive or not. So I think that, that I would want to wrap up just by recommending some music. There's an artist that I really, truly love. His name is Jason Raz. By the way, if any of you know him, please introduce me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and me. But uh, he has a song called uh, Look for the Good. And uh, I mean, the full line is look for the good in everyone. But honestly, like, look for the good. Because mm-hmm. it is there. And if you train your brain to see it, then you are going to change your experience. Yeah, exactly. Also, there is this other song by Olafur Arnolds that I, I played on Instagram, but if you don't follow on Instagram, it's called Undone. Oh, did we not talk about this on no, the podcast? No, we didn't. Oh, no, yeah. and um, Amazing there's, song. there's this monologue in the beginning where this uh, lady is talking about what life must be like in the womb you know, for a baby and it's all cozy and warm and fuzzy in the beginning. But as you grow and grow, the womb gets uncomfortable and you know, the, just listen to it. But basically in the moment, in the moment moment. of when you're about to be born, Mm -hmm. it's very traumatic Yeah, and you feel like you are dying. And and the thoughts are like, this is it. This is death. This is the end of my life. And then you're born and it's a surprise because it's just yeah. the beginning, yeah. you know, and um, that's almost likened. And again, this is me going into my woo, but my philosophies on life are we are just God experiencing life and death is just the beginning back to Godhood. Yeah, you know? I would I would make it even more granular and say that. At any point in your life when you are experiencing extreme discomfort, Mm -hmm. it could very well be that you were just on the cusp of something beautiful and new and bigger than you've ever experienced before. Exactly. In this life, right? Mm -hmm. So change the way you frame discomfort. Change the way you frame bad news like cancer. Yep. And co-create something different. And do it mindfully, you know, take it from a emotional standpoint, like we've been talking today, mm-hmm. a chemical standpoint mm-hmm. with food. I truly believe that, uh, I mean, I, and I, maybe I want I'll talk about this in another episode, but food is medicine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nourishment from the earth. It's what we were designed to ingest on a cellular level uh, like our dna was wired to coexist with nature to live in nature to eat nature to thrive in nature why would we turn this away why would we turn nature's medicine away from us and when we eat real food Mm -hmm. we do two really powerful things one we connect ourselves to nature yeah because that's where real food comes from Mm -hmm. not a factory Mm-hmm. Two, we connect ourselves to our own bodies. Exactly. And that is kind of our goal with all of this. Yep. So the emotional healing, the chemical healing through food. And instead of coming from a mindset of, I have to eat vegetables, mm-hmm. you can hopefully shift that in this new year and say, I get to. 
I get to eat vegetables. I get to nourish this incredible thing called my body. And that goes that was, for everything you do, by yes. the way. You get to eat good food. You get to exercise mm-hmm. if you're fortunate enough to be able to do that. You get to do chemo. Do you understand that? You get to go to radiation. Mm-hmm. And that is a privilege and a gift that exactly. you have chosen for yourself. That you have chosen. Hopefully. Like, that's, <laughs> that is the key. That, that wasn't forced on you by a doctor. Mm-hmm. They just introduced it to you. Yes. And it resonated with you that yes. you get to do. And if it didn't, then take care of that. Yeah. But the fact is that if you, if you consciously chose your protocol... It is a privilege to be able to follow through on it. Exactly. Not a responsibility, not a burden. Exactly. And, you know, the emotional, the chemical, the physical, you get to exercise, you get to move your body. Um, you get to clear your trauma. You get to clear your trauma. You, you get to create a miracle of healing. No matter what disease you're dealing with, you get to co-create a different experience one because you have been gifted this incredible body that nature designed for you and put in the blueprints for healing i mean think about it winter hits every year everything dies for months and towards the end of winter we think will it ever come back like (laughs) we have it it feels like will the sun ever shine again and yet nature by some magical like cosmos energy rebirths itself every year because there is a a divine DNA thing in every tree, every plant, every seed, every enzyme Mm -hmm. in these seeds, in these soils that allows the earth to be reborn. And that same intelligence is in our own bodies. We just need to believe it, connect with it, connect with it and manifest it. Co-create it because nature does it every year. Why can't you? Yep. So I think that's it. I think that's all I want to share. All right. Co-create a different experience. Co-create. It's going to be, it's the solstice this week. And with that means setting intentions. Yep. I hope you guys, and you know, the new year is just around the corner. Make 2021 one for the books. Mm. You know, we've come from, the year 2020, which has just been a hellhole. Well, right? for a lot of people. For a lot of people. But guess what? There's a whole group of people out there who have had the best year of the their lives. The best year ever. Because that's what they decided might, to create. You might hate those people right now. <laughs> but the fact is that they did that. Mm-hmm. They created that. They set themselves up in a way to enjoy that. And that can be 2021 for you. Exactly. If you set those intentions. And you stop letting yourself be overwhelmed by the societal mm-hmm. narrative that surrounds you. And you come from a space of abundance and not victim mentality. Yep. And you start writing your own story. Exactly. So happy new year. Merry Christmas. Happy solstice. Happy all the days. Whenever mm-hmm. you listen to this. Happy sh- Tuesday. Happy, <laughs> happy Tuesday. If it gets released on Tuesday, can I just shout out to our podcasting editor, manager she's fantastic and we'll like hit her up with these episodes and we're like please can you like release this in 48 her, hours and her name is kai her villanueva is, her yes. her business is podkai.com p-o-d-k-a-i if you're looking for you're a looking, podcast person she's your she's your lady and she does the whole deal the she's editing the uploading the she'll do the show notes she'll do the promotional if you want that she is the best human being she, on the face of the she planet. and her team are incredible people they are so if you are wanting to start a podcast like kai i want shout out to kai because like we will just hit her up 48 hours and be like please can you upload this we're not we're not promising she can do that for you yeah but yet like she somehow just shows up for us so thank you kai she does like through all the chaos she shows up um shout outs to our whole staff at prova health it's been one hell of a year it's been chaos. It's been beauty. It's been heartache. It's been growing pains. And um, we couldn't do it without our team, without our coaches, without our office manager, Brittany, without our front desk staff. Holy cow, Hannah, Sarah, you guys are angels sent from, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't have asked for a better team. Like, Tabeka. Tabeka. Holy cow. Tabeka, who is my assistant and our project manager. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everyone, who are we missing? 
you know, my mom, my dad, like, you know, co-owners in the business. Like it's just been to all of you guys, you guys, holy cow. Like, I don't know how to give enough gratitude to you. I just hope that we have given to you what you have given to us and, and that we have been able to help you in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Thank you for always listening. Thank you for the messages. Thank you for the encouragements. Thank you for supporting our business. We're not perfect. We're trying to be, and we are mm-hmm. trying to show up super hard for you guys. And thank you for coming to our Oscar acceptance speech. <laughs> hey, I, it's the, I, I have to say it's the end of the year. It's the end of season two. Um, <laughs> that was a really short season too. <laughs> Three episodes. Um, that's it. What do you want to say? Um, nothing. I love you all. Yes. Thank you for this Oscar. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, everyone. Have a good year. Bye. <laughs>